Hey, first off, it's great to see you guys. I'm so glad to be back from vacation. I know Pastor Gordon did a great job last week. It's great seeing you guys. And if you're, it's your first time here, I just want to welcome you. It's a place you can belong before you believe. Uh, that means that you can find friends and acceptance before you have to change a thing in your life. And um, I want you to know that you're loved here. It's really unfortunate. Um, the last 24 hours, there was uh, just some really dark stuff that was happening back east. Um, a lot of hatred that's based and fueled on um, bigotry, racism, um, and violence is just kind of uh, manifested through it. It's just so ugly. And I just have to say, like, at Whitewater, we serve um, a God who sent his son, Jesus, into our world that was filled with hatred, filled with brokenness, filled with bigotry, racism, social uh, class um, Hatred. There was just so much stuff going on when Jesus was sent to our planet. Same stuff that's going on today. And instead of using the tools of power and violence, the God we serve exchanged those and said, I'm not going to use those tools of power and violence. I'm going to use the way of love and truth. And so he ended up dying on the cross, which people used as a, as a form of, of violence and power over him. And in, in, in doing that, Jesus actually the Christian believes gives victory and gives eternal life to those who would follow him. Like we choose the way of love. And so um, it's so sad when you see these cycles of violence with violence, hatred with hatred. Like that's not how the Christian responds. But Jesus responded to hatred in all of its forms with truth and he condemned it. Racism, bigotry, uh, classism, any kind of hatred and Um, oppression of other people is not the way of the gospel and it should be condemned. And I want you guys to know that that, that we are in any, at right now we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters uh, who are experiencing any kind of hatred along those lines, whether it's racism, bigotry, classism. Um, And we also need to be praying for, for, for the, for people that are struggling with that kind of hatred and people that are experiencing, whether they know Christ or they don't know Christ, we stand with and, and for them in love. And so I just wanted to, to make that really clear and, and also say um, we're an us-for-them church, not an us-against-them. Even if there's someone who's a, who would act like an enemy to you or me, we're us-for-them. We don't excuse them. We don't give them a hall pass and say, that's fine. We speak the truth like Jesus did. That's wrong. We stand up for it, for the right thing. And um, we're an us-for-them community, a Jesus community. And... Um, what I would encourage you to do is uh, be praying for people. You might know people that have experienced this kind of hatred before. Uh, if you've been fortunate not to experience this kind of hatred because you're not in a, in a minority group that would experience that and you've been not fortunate, I want to encourage you to uh, empathize. A lot of times people don't have any empathy for others who, who have on a daily or weekly or monthly basis experience that kind of hatred. And I think if we don't have any, uh, any emotional understanding what that is, it's really hard to relate. I feel like we need to actually uh, empathize with brothers and sisters, other humans who are experiencing this. And we need to support and encourage them, like with our actual words and actions. And if we see hatred, we have to speak the truth. In love, which is hard sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But in love, we speak the truth. And I want, to be, I want to encourage you to do that. Speak the truth, be supportive, and empathize with those who are experiencing hatred and, and the hurt that comes from that. And so be praying for the whole thing. Um, so sad to see that kind of violence. Let's pray for 
just what's going on. Is that cool? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we know that you stand against injustice. You sent your son who stands again in white-hot hatred of, of violence and, um, and injustice, and, uh, of hatred. Lord, you stand uh, for the things of heaven, the things of the kingdom, the things of love and, and truth. And so, Lord, would your kingdom come in, in any way, in every way? Would you bring healing? Would you bring insight? Would you bring truth? Would you bring support into the situations that are going on? It just feels like there's uh, more and more um, angst building up in our nation. And, Lord, only you can heal, heal that stuff. Only you can bring people together where there's division. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to jump into a new series with you today. If you're new, we've been going through the summer of party, and it's all about how Jesus Christ lived a life where he was identifying with the sinner, identifying with people who would be seen as far from, far, far from God or far from uh, the social elites and far from the church or the faith community back in those days. Jesus went and identified with them. He loved them. He accepted them. He didn't always uh, agree with their behavior, but he accepted and loved them. And so we said this summer is a summer party and the summer has been a great summer party. I've been, I was at a few different parties in the last two weeks that were just incredible. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for being a Jesus church where people can come and belong and be loved. And in so in finding that acceptance begin to change and to experience God. I'm so grateful for that. And the summer party is going to continue, but today we want to start a, a, a teaching series in the book of Psalms. And the, and the book of Psalms is, uh, is an, an incredible book. And I, I actually want to jump in and read you the first Psalm, Psalms 1. Let's read that first before we get into any background, context, cultural stuff. I want to just read this Psalm. It's an unbelievable Psalm. It says this in verse 1 How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside uh, flowing streams, and it bears its fruit in each season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked, they're like chaff. The wind blows them away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand uh, up in the judgment for sinners or nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Now, verse six, it says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Now, this passage is so powerful to me and the whole book of Psalms is so powerful. And I feel like there's a little bit of background information you should know. First off, in this poem, like the, the Psalms were very intentionally and very intricately written. They're a Jewish poems. Um, the, the whole book of Psalms is actually uh, a, a lot of poems and a lot of narrative, uh, a narrative devices put together um, that, that are to help the Christian or to help the person of faith and in Ju- the Judeo-Christian um, past, past in history to connect with God. And, it, and the Psalms were written to be really the language of the soul. The language that expresses emotion. The language that expresses imagination. The language that expresses uh, the human experience and all of its dimensions. And we live in a world, I feel, that is so filled with technology and so much knowledge. Like the, the new generation growing up, your kids, my kids, like your future kids, if you don't have them, your future nephews and nieces and grandkids, they are living in an information age where the information knowledge is at their fingertips. They just click something and Google's, it just pops up. 
may or may not be true, but it'll pop up, right? Like there's all this knowledge that's there. All this information, it's just moving faster and faster. The kids that are growing up now are, are, are having more information going, flooding through their minds than any uh, generation that's ever lived. My fear is that in an age of information and communication, that we might be losing our ability to communicate and express our emotions in the deep, deepest parts of who we are. And the Psalms were written to help us express our emotions, our souls. Uh, I might be wrong, but I, I wonder if in our culture that there, a lot of men struggle expressing their emotions. They either ignore their emotions and stuff them, or they ignite their emotions and like release them. The ig- ignoring is like stuffing it all underneath the rug and pretending like everything's fine and ignoring and ignoring what's really going on inside. And so like there's bitterness and hopelessness that's beginning to, to generate in their hearts. And, then, and, and they're just ignoring their emotions or ignoring their hearts. And then on the other end, with all this, all this information, all this knowledge and all this life going on, like some people, they just ignite their emotions and they just, it just spew it on people and it's acid and it damages and it hurts. And so it just wells up and causes bitterness and hurt and hopelessness and others and and the psalms were given as a gift by God through the authors to express the deepest aspects of who we are as humans and I know in families men and women struggle with this so I'm not saying this is gender specific in our culture I think it's all over but what if we had something that could help us in our faith and in our soul express our relationship with God. And the Psalms are exactly that. And the Psalms were arranged amazingly. Um, in this Psalm in particular, the first letter starts with the first letter of the of Jewish alphabet and the last ends with the last alphabet, uh, the letter of the alphabet in, uh, in, in Hebrew. These are just written like um, very intricately, very artistically, like, and there's a sense of wholeness with uh, this passage. It's incredible. But the, the, the goal of this series uh, for us is to get you to know God better through the Psalms and be able to express the language and, and your heart, your soul, and, and be able to express that to God, with God, and with others. And so we want to really get in God's Word. This is so important. Verse 6, it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. You might want to take notes if some of you grabbed them coming in. There are two ways that are described in this passage. Two ways. The way of wisdom and the way of the wicked. The way of wisdom and the way of the wicked. And it's really uh, drawing this clear line and a, a reality uh, for the psalmist, the one who's writing this, is saying, look, at, there are two ways we can go with our lives. Two responses. There's two ways, two directions that we're, that we're heading. And um, in, in the psalms, um, this first psalm serves as a metaphor. Many scholars think a metaphor. And back in this day and age, when, when someone would come to worship, when a person would come to worship God and enter the sanctuary of worship, to bear their soul to God, to connect with Him, and to worship Him, and to lift Him up, um, they would have these attendants on either side, you know, priests or you know, religious leaders that, that were to look and make sure that people were ready. 
And in this psalm, it's really, this psalm is like serving as the gatekeepers for people who are entering into the sanctuary of the words of the psalms to worship God by reading through and expressing their hearts, by reading and knowing and meditating on these psalms. As we're, as we're, as we're heading into it, the first chapter is saying, hey, what way are you heading? There are two paths in life. You're either heading toward God or away from Him. What path are you on? And when we today like enter into a church, I don't, I don't know that we're thinking, is my heart ready to receive from God? Is my heart ready to express? When we come to sing or to hear from God's word, like I don't know that all, many of us are thinking, is my heart ready? What way am I headed? And you know, we're a church that follows Jesus. And so we have people coming in with all sorts of things, all sorts of distractions. You know, some people are thinking about, you know, what are they going to do for their football fantasy draft? Some people are thinking about the, the meal they're going to have after this and, you know, what taco bus they're going to hit after this or whatever. You're gonna, you'll find that we're a big taco bus church. People like to hit that up. There's a lot of t- things you can talk about, I guess. I learned that from Michael. Michael's got a, he's the master of those uh, puns. Uh, anyways, but some of you guys are, you know, we come in with burdens. We come in with different reasons. Some of you might not be a Christian. You might not be a person of faith. Some of you might be a person of faith. And, and uh, it does, it, we are a place where you can come belong. You don't have to, to be a certain person to be here. But if you know Jesus and you've been following Christ and you're growing in your faith, I want to ask you a question. When you come to the Bible, to read the Bible and learn more about God and to worship God, when you come here to church and you come to worship and you come to build others up, and you, or when you go to community or community group, when you're coming to places where you know there is something for God to speak to you, are you coming with your heart ready? The psalm is asking that. Are you ready to enter in the sanctuary and worship? The Lord watches over the ways of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to ruin. There's a way of wisdom and the way of the wicked. We went to um, Farragut State Park, which is uh, right on um, Lake Pond Array over in Idaho. Beautiful. It's got like these big mountains on either side. It creates this wind tunnel. So even when if it's uh, like 90 to 100 degrees, it still has like this cool breeze that comes through. It hits the lake, keeps you cool. And the lake just shines like a sa- sapphire. It's beautiful. And when we were there, our, our in-laws came, and we get along with them. Some of you are like, in-laws. No, we get along. It's cool. And Stan, if you know some of our story, Stan, my father-in-law, had a stroke a little over a year, and so he's had to relearn everything. I don't know if you've had a family member have a stroke or a brain injury where they've had to relearn stuff, but he's had to learn, relearn how to talk and how to think and how to walk and uh, you know, all his motor skills, and his left hand still doesn't fully come back, but he's learned how to walk, and he's been building up, building up, building up um, uh, perseverance so that he can be, uh, be on this vacation with us, and so he wants to go on some walks and some little hikes. Um, that he can handle, that he can manage, and he wants to push himself. So we all decide we're going to go to Button Hook Bay. Button Hook Bay on uh, Lake Ponderé is this beautiful area. You can only reach it by boat or by hiking in. You can't bring your boat uh, by, by truck or anything like that. There's no uh, boat launch. Uh, there's the really nice dock that you, ha- you can only get to by the, by the lake. And there's a little island out in the middle. It kind of hides this Button Hook Bay. Not everybody knows about it. So we decided to walk there, and there's a very specific path you have to take. There's a very specific way you have to get there. And on the way, there's all these trails that lead off. 
And some of them look like they might be shortcuts. Some of them look like they just wander up, up a hill. And the whole time you're kind of in view of this lake. Um, and it's so tempting to want to take a shortcut or go to some other place, especially for Stan because he wants to like test out his new walking legs. And he's got this new walking stick and he wants to get going. And so when we got there to start the hike, Novella had to go to the bathroom and Sarah, she's pregnant. So, you know, we've got to make a lot of stops on the way. So they both need to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, okay, I'm, we're going to stop here. And Stan's like, I'm going. So him and Kristen, his wife, started walking on the trail. And I was like, make sure you stay on the main path. Make sure you stay on the right way. And um, I was so worried that he was going to get off. And and I also need to mention, before the stroke, Stan hated being told what to do. He hated being told any directions. And after the stroke, he still hates being told any directions, any way to go. He's like, I got this! And he wanders off. I was so worried the whole time as we're trying to catch up with them. After my family went to the bathroom, we were like, try to catch up, make sure they didn't go the wrong way, because you can get miles off. And... Buttonhook Bay, there's one path that takes you there. It's not all paths lead to Buttonhook Bay. It doesn't work that way in our world. Like, not all paths lead to the same, you know, uh, afterlife. Not all paths lead to the same religion. It's not all bleeding together. Like, whoever believes those kind of things hasn't been to Buttonhook Bay because if you went on one of these other things, it's going to a totally different place. That's just reality. And um, I was so worried. I started heading up some of these other trails looking for him, seeing if he got off, and finally we got to Buttonhook Bay, and he was there. He, went, he stayed on path the whole time. There are two paths that we can take with our lives, friends. Two paths. We're either moving toward the Lord, path of wisdom, or we're moving away from Him. And it's a destructive path. It's a path that leads to ruin. And um, there's so many ruined lives, and so many people have taken that path. It's wide. It looks easier. It's emotionally more satisfying at first. How many of you guys have been down that wider path, that wider way? And you know the pain and hurt and problems and addictions and issues that happen with it. You know it. I, I had a friend recently who just had a catastrophic thing happen in his life, and he was facing the two paths, two ways. The other way was hard, it looked narrow, and emotionally, the other way just looked so much easier, so much more satisfying. And, And it killed me to see him go down the path that was going to hurt him. And sometimes, you know, we're off. We're only human. We think we might know the right path for someone. Some of us need to just, like, shut up and sit down and let people live their lives, right? Some, Some of us do need to do that. But if you've been down that path and you know it, and God's given you some discernment, wisdom, sometimes you just know. How many of you guys have had friends that have wandered down a path that you're just like, ugh? How many of you guys yourself have wandered down a path and you're like, what was I thinking? I mean, you never want to go back down that again. Doesn't it just like, it just hurts when you see that. It hurts when you experience that. I want to ask you a question today. What way are you headed right now? Today, 2017, what way are you headed? Not relying on, you know, the faith of your parents or grandparents or you know some bygone years when everything was going great right now where are you headed so we live in a culture that's all about the now focused on the now but where are you going there is one way there's a lot of other paths that get you off where are you at in this passage talks about the way of the wicked 
verse 1. It says this, How happy is the one who does not walk in the uh, advice of the wicked, nor stand in the pathway with sinners, nor sit in the company of mockers. It's really powerful passage, the way this starts off. Um, How happy is the person who doesn't do these things? Isn't that nice, getting wisdom from some old person who's like, oh, how happy is the person who doesn't do this and this and this? And you're looking at your life, you're like, I've done all those things, this is not helpful. You know, this is just bringing back bad memories. But if you notice with me in this passage, it, it, it progressively gets worse as it goes. It says, the advice of the wicked... The pathway of sinners, so it's like the wicked, you know, people who are intending bad things, and sinners, people actually doing bad things. And then it says the company of mockers. And in this ancient, like, tradition of wisdom writing and in this era, mockers were, like, the worst. They were, like, worse than tax collectors in Jesus. I mean, they were the worst. The mockers were the ones doing the wrong things, getting more people to do wrong things with them and approving of it, and then making fun of the people doing the right things. Like, and, and, and laughing at them. Have you ever had someone laugh at you and mock you when you're doing the right thing? You're a husband who is a mocker or a wife who is a mocker. You're, you're mocking me right now. I am doing the right thing. Mockers are the worst. But the pattern here, the pattern of the way of the wicked is what we really need to pay attention to. And um, here, here's what it is. Here's the pattern, the way of the wicked. It's, it's this. First you start walking with that, the wicked thing. You start walking with the trouble. And then it says, after you walk a little ways, you stand. You stop and stand. Start hanging out with more of the trouble. And then you sit with the trouble. And once you sit, it's really hard to get back up and get going. Can I get an amen? You guys know what I'm talking about? Give you a few examples. First, you might start walking with a donut. As you're walking, all of a sudden it's really good, and you stop and you stand with that donut. Oh. Before you've left the donut shop, you've sat down and you've ordered some more, and you're just eating donuts. It's hard to get back up, right? Um, some of you. Start walking with your smartphone. And you lose sight of everything else going on around you. And all of a sudden, when someone stops and they stand with that cell phone, like all of a sudden the conversation's gotten more intense, it's going to be a lot longer. And then you know it's over when they sit down, right? It's even more over when they lay in bed with the precious. (laughs) The white, blue light is hitting their face. They're just scrolling down, liking this. Like, I know some of you do this because I watch you liking late at night. (laughs) Going through. And pretty soon it has a grip of us. Some of us start walking with anger. And it's just something that comes up once in a while. And then we stand. When someone's standing and they're furious, you know, like, they can't even think straight because they're mad. And all of a sudden the anger. And then when they sit, it's like they're furious. And they're not, it's going to be really hard to let go of the anger. Some people, they, they, they struggle with, like, contentment or they're jealous. Jealousy begins creeping in. They start walking with it and they start thinking about or ruminating about, you know, the things that the person or the, the stuff and the other person that has the things that they're jealous about, that they're envious about, and then they stand with it. And then when they sit with it, all of a sudden that bitterness settles in, like, deep in there, in the soul. The worst is when they're walking 
and they get so angry or so jealous or whatever and then they start walking with hatred and then they stop with hatred and they're thinking about how much they hate this person they're thinking about what they're going to do to this person and what they wish would happen to this person and all of a sudden they've sat down and that hatred begins to manifest itself in bigotry things like racism violence This passage wants to prepare us. There are two ways. The way of wisdom and the way of the wicked. And we need to recognize when we've been walking, standing, and sitting the way of the wicked. Does that make sense? And in this passage, we can't, we can't settle for this pattern. And so many of us are in this pattern. This is the pattern of addiction. This is the pattern of hate. It's just... But the way of wisdom, I want to talk to you guys about that. The way of wisdom. The way of wisdom. And I'm not going to be able to get through this whole passage, unfortunately. I was really hoping to. But um, this is like the heart of Psalms chapter 1. It says this in verse 2. Instead of the pattern of walking in the advice of the wicked, standing in the pathway of sinners, and sitting in the company of mockers, and doing that pattern. Instead, the way of the wise... His delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. But what's the Lord's instruction? This is really important. His delight is not walking and standing and sitting with the wicked and just getting off track and going down that path. His is in the way of wisdom, the way of righteousness, the way of a right relationship with God. And, and it starts with delighting in the Lord's instruction, the original language, that's Torah. It's law. And, and, and when we hear Torah, we hear law, if you have any Christian background or like legal background, you, we think like rules and regulations and laws, right? But the way the Jewish tradition understood Torah and law was not the way we understand it. The way they understood it was, in, was instruction. And not like, you know, you go and get some instruction, like an instruction manual and start learning from an instruction manual. The, what, what it is, is it's instruction from a loving father. Instruction that's within the context of a relationship. When I'm teaching novella, you know, how to like dip graham crackers in peanut butter the right way that Bedlians are supposed to do that. Like it is like in the most loving, amazing, she's not like, well, why are you putting down all these rules on how I have to like eat graham crackers with peanut butter, dad? No, she's like, she is delighting in this with me. And like we're getting closer as Bedlians. We're bonding. So instruction Torah is, is, is a gift from God so that we can know the heart of the Father. Not so that we do things just out of duty or like you learn the Bible and you learn you know, the, uh, the, the Torah, the law, the rules and how things go just to know how to get away with things or not you know, get God off your back like a lot of people do. No, 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 no. This is within the context of a loving Father. The other thing about uh, the Torah is that it, 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 scholars are you know, sometimes... Uh, think it could mean well the first five books of of the old testament genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy like these five books the five books of moses or it could mean the the ten commandments or you know what does it mean and it, you know most scholars are like you know it probably means all of this all of god's word that helps us understand and know god's character it's fatherly instruction how many of you guys have ever had fatherly instruction any, any people ever had that I've had it a little bit. Um, I, I, I looked up some fatherly instruction that gets passed down from generation to generation about um, 
uh, pregnancy and birthing because we're having a baby here at the end of the month. We're really excited. But this is like advice like I've been getting and I know that other people have gotten in their past. So let me give you a few examples of fatherly advice that you might have received at one point in time if you're uh, going through a, a pregnancy. Um, the first one uh, is, uh, oh, here it is. Cream cheese and cottage cheese are okay for pregnant women. Brie and feta are not. Some of you guys might not have known that. Um, here's another one from a fatherly, fatherly advice. Wash your hands. Uh, your baby's first poop will resemble crude oil. Don't freak out. It's <laughs> a true story. Um, imagine being hired as a pilot with no training. Here's the cockpit. Good luck getting to Houston. That's what it's like coming home to a newborn. It's, it's like that for everybody. Like nobody has this thing figured out. and They just got to figure it out. Uh, here's another one. A diaper bag is a bag with diapers in it. <laughs> you don't need to buy something new. <laughs> I love that. Um, here we go. When it comes to raising children, your grandparents' philosophical advice will be spot on. But their medical advice will be terrible. <laughs> Probably a true story there. And then last one, side with your, with your wife more often than with your mother. Because you don't live with your mother. Or you shouldn't. <laughs> That's good fatherly advice. In the, in the, in the heart of the Torah, in the, in the Jewish understanding and the Christian understanding of the Psalms, is to like be this reflection of, of the original five books. This would be a reflection where we can learn to know God with our full life, our whole soul, our emotions, our mind, our intellect, our imaginations, our will, our actions. And I want to ask you again, what way are you headed? The Torah, the instructions of Christ, it says again, it's, we're to delight in the Lord's instruction and the, that man meditates on the Lord's instruction day and night. Are you, are you learning from God's word? So often the, the Bible gets thrown out. People aren't in God's word. And they look at it as like this document that's legal or law or boring. Or, and, the, and so they, they, they know God less because of it. Unfortunately, some people have used the Bible like a, a hammer rather than like something that's like help us get to know someone, a relational letter. They use it as a hammer and it's turned people off because they're like, oh, I've just been hammered by the Bible. Or all the people who know the Bible the best are the ones who like to tell me I know it the least. You know, they know better. And, so, and oftentimes they don't know, they don't understand the Bible. They might know what it says, but they don't understand it well because they haven't, it hasn't helped them grow in their relationship with God. It's helped them grow in their feelings of superiority. Have you ever known someone like that? If you're like, no, I don't know. I want to ask, are you that person? It's important. Um, I think this is super crucial. It says he meditates on it day and night. Meditates on the instructions of God day and night. The Hebrew word for that is like muttering or praying or applying, observing God's word. Like praying through it. Like we read the scriptures. We read the Holy, the Holy Scriptures so that the scriptures read our lives. And we adjust our life based on the truth of God's word. Not just like any old thing that we want or our, the truth of our feelings or the sincerity of how we feel. Like we, if we're like basing our life on our feelings, it's going to be so up and down. We're to base our, our, our lives on God and his spirit and this scripture, his word that he's given us. It's so 
important. And uh, Joshua 1.8 is where it's connected to this psalm. It, it says in verse 8 of Joshua, This book of instruction must depart, must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night. Remember, like murmur it, to speak it, to pray it. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe it, everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Like God wants to prosper you. He wants you to have a life of wisdom. He wants you to have a life where it's filled with joy. And you're able to handle the ups and downs. You're able to know the truth. You're able to handle reality in a world that doesn't know how to handle reality or even be able to like know the truth of reality. God gives us his word so that we can know that. We can have this like cornerstone in our life. We're to, and notice this. We're to meditate on it day and night. And then it says in Joshua 1.8, carefully observe everything written in it. And there's usually two camps of Christians. People who are like doing good things all the time. They want to do good stuff all the time, but they're never like soaked in God's word. They never go back and say, but what should I doing it, be doing and how should I be doing this? And then there's other people who are like in this camp that's like, they're reading all the time. They're like reading blogs on the internet about the Bible and their, or vlogs or podcasts. And they're like watching those things all the time. And they're, and they're getting plenty of information, but they're never obeying and observing the word of God and applying it. And the road to wickedness is just as easily knowing lots of scripture without doing it. James teaches if we know what the Bible says, we know God's word, but don't do it. We're, we're bringing judgment on ourselves because we're, we're, we're disobeying it. The path of wisdom, the way of wisdom is the way of meditating and observing, like letting scripture form our lives so that we, are, we know God, we know what he wants, and we complete it. Now, here's the challenge I have for you guys that I want to finish with. This is the challenge. I want to challenge you guys with this. There's more to this passage. It's just unbelievable, but we don't have time to do it all. But the challenge is this. I want us, for the next four weeks, to get into God's Word and begin reading it. I want us to get into God's Word and begin reading it. A lot of people are afraid of reading the Bible. I got got a specific plan that I want to challenge us with. But before I do that, many people don't read the Bible... And here's some reasons why. Many people don't read the Bible because they don't own a Bible. Well, we've solved that problem. We have Bibles in the back uh, that you can grab today. We're going to just give them to you, like free of charge. Just grab a Bible, okay? And the Bible that we that we're uh, we're handing out is called the CSB. It's a new version that we're going to be handing out. We normally use the the New Living Translation, but we're going to be handing out the Christian Standard Bible. If you don't know much about translations, all the translations that we have in English are really a blessing. Some of them have different strengths and weaknesses than others. But it, like, like there's some countries that like have one translation. And sometimes, Christ, like, believe it or not, Christians will like argue about this. Like spoiled children with God's word at their fingertips on smartphones and on the computer. And they'll like feel superior because they have this Bible. And it's better than that Bible. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, we have some... We, it's, we have access to so much in this country. We should be so grateful. And we're, we're going to be uh, using this as our primary text that we hand out. It's called the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. I love it for a lot of reasons, but it's very readable, but it's very accurate to the original languages. 
And so I love that mix of readability and accuracy. And so grab one as you're handing out. Grab a Bible. Don't let your excuse, I'm not reading the Bible because I don't have one. Grab it. Or get an app on your phone like Uversion. Um, you can look them up uh, and, and get that on your phone so you have something to read. These are free. We're giving them out. They're awesome, okay? And I, I like this because I've just been teaching more and more out of it, and it's, and it's a really fun Bible to teach out of and to read and study. So grab that. Um, here's some other stuff. Some people don't read um, out of the Bible because they don't know very much about the Bible, and they're afraid to let people know that they don't know about the Bible. Maybe they grew up in church, and like they, th- they know that other people think that they know the Bible, and they don't. And they're like, oh, I don't want people to know that. Don't let anything like that, don't let pride or fear of like judgment like keep you from reading the Bible. Get, get a Bible and start reading. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, some people think that the Bible isn't trustworthy. They think the Bible maybe is irrelevant, um, that uh, it, it doesn't make sense in our day and age, and it's not trustworthy for them. But what I have found out of experience is that most of the people that hold that belief the Bible is not trustworthy, it's irrelevant, and you know, yada yada. Can we really trust what was written in there? Um, and there's all sorts of reasons I think it's very trustworthy. But here's the biggest thing to me. Most people who say that, when I ask, they've actually never read the Bible. How can you know if it's like irrelevant, and it's terrible, and untrustworthy, if you've never read it, or know anything about it? I would challenge you to read, a book, read through the book of John. You know, start reading somewhere. Read the Bible and then uh, make a judgment call on it. I think you might find it's very trustworthy. This, this book, this book right here is the, the only book in history that, uh, that has changed the, the, the lives from uh, and subverted systems of racism and hatred. This is a part of subverting evil and hatred throughout uh, countries and throughout history. This book has changed individuals' lives over. I don't know another book that can change someone's life like this book. Um, you need to start reading it. It's amazing. And, and there's so much more intricacy and depth and truth and goodness in it than people realize. Start reading it and start getting a flavor for the scriptures. It will change your life. And a lot of times people don't want, they're like, well, I don't want to have that be an authority over my life. I want to do what I want to do. And what you're really saying is that I don't want any authority. I want to be an authority to myself. And if someone will only listen to themselves, you might get yourself into some trouble. You might get yourself into trouble. If you haven't read the Bible, and you're like, oh, it's not trustful, you need, to, you need to believe it. I had a friend say to me at the second service, he said, people who won't read the Bible and say it's trustworthy, and yet they've never read it, they'll stop for directions at a gas station and get directions from some dude at a gas station, but they won't read a Bible. He's like, what's the deal? I said, I don't know. I'll ask that. What's the deal? Um, here's the last piece. Um, they don't have a plan. They, sometimes they just don't have a plan. And I, well, here's, here's what I want to challenge you with as far as a, a plan to read the Bible and why you should read it. First, the Bible can change your life. It, it, can, it can give you wisdom. It will give you truth. It will help you see your own heart. It will bring self-awareness. It'll help you know God better. You'll be able to know God's plans better. When you read the scriptures, you'll know his purposes. You'll you'll know his principles by which to live. Um, it, It is transformative. It'll speak to you where you're at in different seasons of your life. Different aspects of the Bible will jump out at you at different times in your life. It will change your life. The Bible is an incredible uh, amalgam, a gathering of documents that have been given that are, that are God's word for you and me. And so the challenge is this. Grab a Bible in the back today. Grab a Bible. Grab a Bible. They're in the back. They'll be handing me out. 
grab a, a journal and begin going through the scriptures. Now, I've got two plans that you can go through. Um, and when you get a Bible and you grab a journal, I want you to actually start journaling and writing. Um, when you start reading the Bible, here's a simple acrostic. Because you're like, well, what do I do when I read the Bible? How do I read it? This is really simple. There's all sorts of ways to read the Bible. There's literary, historical, grammatical. There's all sorts of ways to read the Bible. But a really simple one is just to read it and just make some observations. So here's an acrostic that I find helpful. You might want to take this down. Um, it, the acrostic is Word. W-O-R-D. Did I spell that right? W-O-R-D. Uh, the W stands for Word. Like, write out what scripture you're reading. So if you're like, I'm starting in Matthew chapter 1, write Matthew chapter 1. That's the word you're reading. Read it. Um, Sometimes you might want to pray a little beforehand and ask, hey Lord, help me read this and clear my mind. And then read the word. And the O stands for observation. Make some observations. Like, what do you notice in the text? You don't have to be like a biblical scholar. Just what do you notice? Well, in Psalms chapter 1, I started reading that and uh, it talks about the wicked. There's this uh, walking, standing, and then sitting. Like, wow, what's that about? And you start making some observations. The R stands for reflect. After you've made your observations about the passage, as, as in-depth as you want to go, this can be 10 minutes, it can be an hour. It, you custom fit it to yourself. I, I don't care, just get in the Word. So once you've made your observations, the R stands for reflect. W-O-R-D. Reflect on what does this mean for you. What jumps out at you as you, as you think and meditate on it. As you meditate, pray through it, think about it. Begin writing what you think it means to you. And what you should do if you've learned something. Man, I need to start changing this. I need to change my attitude. I need to go talk to this person and forgive them. Because of what you've read, the last letter stands for do. Word, observe, or observations, reflect, and then do it. Do what the Bible teaches you. It's so important. And now here's the plan. Uh, This is on your notes if you have them. Here's the plan. Um, If you're new at reading the Bible... Um, this says meditate on God's word, delight in God's word, get in God's word so you get to know the author of God's word. The first plan, if you're new to reading the Bible, start reading through the Psalms. Start with Psalm 1 and just start reading from there. And, and, and go through that word um, acrostic, I tell you. Start writing it in your, in your journal. These are free in the back. Make sure you grab one. Um, and then number two is if you're a little more advanced and you want to go a little bit deeper, or maybe you just want to jump into the deep end. You don't want to start the shallow end of the pool. Um, there's an app you should get. It's incredible. It's called Read Scripture. I think they have, they'll put it up behind me. Read Scripture. And this app is amazing. Every single book, like in this app, you'll open it up, go to the app store and get it, or go to um, thebibleproject.com and you can get this app. Uh, again, this is on your notes. You can read it there. But find this app, and when you open it up, it'll have every book of the Bible. And, in, uh, and you'll, you'll it'll have a reading plan. You can get your, your Bible, start reading, have your journal, and as you read through it, the cool thing about it, every book except one or two has two videos. One video at the beginning, one in the middle that explains the structure and how the book is built, why it was written, and it, it's amazing. It's one of the best... Uh, apps you can get that explains scripture and gets you like, oh, this is the big picture. This is this this makes sense, and and you'll have something to help you read through it. So I would really encourage you do, to do that to get that app and begin reading and start in Matthew. Uh, how many of you guys have read a book of the Bible? All right, a few of us. How many of you guys have read the New Testament? Wow, I haven't even done that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys are like what? Um, Old Testament. How many of you guys Old Testament? How about the whole Bible? Some of us have done that. 
Man, let's get in God's word together. Get that Bible out. You'll love it. You read, like, you'll start reading through Matthew. Like, you'll read two chapters of Matthew the first day. And then you'll read a psalm that you can pray through. And every day, that if, you, if you go with that reading plan, you'll read, like, some scripture from the New Testament. And then you can start with the Old Testament when you get through it. But you'll read some scripture. And then you'll read one psalm a day that you can pray through. And once you go through the whole New Testament, I think you'll go through the whole psalms. A book of psalms. It's unbelievable. So let's do that. Take the challenge this week. Grab a Bible, grab a journal, and start reading the scriptures. Even if it's something, you know, you're like, ah, it's not very much, 10 minutes a day. Start somewhere, and let's start reading together. And remember this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The scriptures reveal Jesus and what God was doing. When we read the word, it teaches us about God and his ways. What way are you headed today? And what would it look like if you got back into God's word and started learning more about him and realigning your life, no matter where you're at, around the way of wisdom, not the way that leads to wickedness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Would you, um, would you just bless us today, bless people today as they go on their way? Would you help them get in your word? Would you help them begin to grow and to learn? Lord, I just know that you show me someone who's growing in their faith. Uh, it, normally, you're, you're showing me someone who's, who's learning about you, learning about the scriptures, learning about Jesus. And so, God, would you change us? Would you let uh, us read scripture and let scripture read our lives? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.